Mi gente, this podcast episode is sponsored by a fellow podcast called Dominicans in Tech, which is an initiative for the Ministry of Industry, Commerce, and Small Medium Enterprises of the Dominican Republic. They are on a mission to connect with Dominicans in the tech sector around the world and tell their full, powerful stories that will inspire future generations to enter this sector. Check out this podcast. The link is in the show notes. And it's just a really cool initiative. So while I was on active duty, um, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, I was gay, but I could not declare it. And I could not have a partner with me. And I couldn't have a same-sex spouse. And I couldn't, you know, it, it just had to be a second and private life altogether. Uh, so that was sort of the, the biggest um, way in which I had to sort of hide at least a part of my identity. Dímelo, mi gente. What up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip you just heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Justice Shannon Fryson. I'm very proud of this episode for a few different reasons. One of them being, it's the first time I felt like a journalist. I actually came across a picture of Shannon on LinkedIn that went viral. I'll link it in the show notes so you all can see. It's a picture of Shannon in her work garments showing off her tattoos. And not just a small tattoo, it's a full arm sleeve. Now, I'm not sure why exactly it went viral, but if I had to guess, I think many people had to question their own bias around professionalism. At that very moment, they had to look at this picture, then go to Shannon's profile, see how accomplished she is both academically and professionally, and then come to terms with, hmm, maybe everything I was taught around professionalism is wrong. Which is why I do every single episode of this podcast, right? It's to redefine professionalism. But why I felt like a journalist was because I saw this picture that was going viral and my instinct was, wow, I want to tell Shannon's story. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, what are in those thousand words? Who's going to share those thousand words? Well, the first thing I had to do was reach out to her. So I slid in the DMs on LinkedIn and Shannon replied. Let me give you a quick little bio on Shannon so you know her a little more before we get into the conversation. So Justice Shannon Friesen was appointed to the Massachusetts Superior Court in March of 2013 at the young age of 42. I'm saying young because she was the youngest judge on that court. Justice Friesen took that seat after serving more than three years on the Boston Municipal Court from 2009 to 2013, beginning her tenure on the bench at age 39. She's a jurist, a major of the Marines, and a mentor to new trial lawyers. To get Shannon full bio, please be sure to check out the show notes. Now that you know a little bit more about Shannon, let's get into this dope conversation. First of all, really excited to chat with you. Thanks so much for taking the time um, to speak with us. Let's start where we always start with the word authenticity. It's such a buzzword, such a trendy word, but what does it mean to you? What, what comes to mind when you hear it? Thank you. What comes to mind is the uh, the ability to to be yourself, and that takes 
so many forms. I think in the workplace, we put a lot of emphasis on, can you dress a certain way? Or can you wear your hair a certain way? Your physical uh, appearance in, in a workplace. And that is certainly a part of it. Uh, that's a pretty big part of it. It's a, it's a, it may be the initial uh, part of those types of conversations, but it includes other things like, you know, can you discuss uh, certain topics? Can you eat certain foods there? Can you play kind of the kind of music you want there? Um, you know, there, there's so much about um, individuals. You know, we are multifaceted, we're complex. And I think authenticity is when you can bring more of yourself to the table and to the task than not. Yeah, no, that's deep. I'm, I'm curious for you, when were you always comfortable being your most authentic self? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I think I've always been uh, rebellious about it. So in I, I have had the opportunities to engage in some very traditional, long-standing um, white male institutions, yeah. um, including the Marine Corps, yeah. um, college, law school, the legal profession, judging. And um, at different points, there, were, there has always been something about me that doesn't quite fit the mold. And um, sometimes it has been seen as a good thing. Sometimes it's been seen as a negative thing. And even though I haven't always been as comfortable as I may be now and as I may become, uh, I, I was always um, anxious to get to a point that, that I can make people see that uh, some judgments are just not required in the, in the settings that we're in. And so um, it's been a, a work in progress, but sure. I've, been, I've always been thinking about it, put it like that. For sure, I mean, we're all work in progress. I'm sure you're still working on yourself now these days. So is everybody. Absolutely. I'm so curious for you, what, what was that first, was that first recollection or memory of, of you as you said, I think just like realizing that there's, there's something different in, in, in you compared to the people around you. Um, one of the first times was in, was coming to college. I, I went to Harvard. I went from a relatively poor black neighborhood in Chicago mm -hmm. to Harvard um, for, for college. And it was a culture shock in a lot of ways. And I that was my first uh, time experiencing people who thought that I was, you know, different somehow. I was, I was not rich. I, my no parent or family member had been to Harvard. I was not a legacy um, candidate, and I was, and 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 being black. There were there are clearly other black students, but all of that combined to. Uh, kind of make me somewhat of an oddity there in that setting. And um, so I think that was the first time that I realized um, or, or was in a setting where I, I'm, I'm realizing that I'm different than most of the people there. 
Yeah, shout out to Boston. I actually actually went to school in Boston as well, not Harvard, but I went to uh, Northeastern University. Ah, uh, yes, excellent school. Yeah, it, it's been climbing the ranks yeah. as of late. You know, great programs there. Great programs. Um, their their co ops where they yeah. send the students out to work are just invaluable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great no, that, I mean that was one of the reasons I I was able to get a get a job after. But um, yeah, I've going going to college was interesting for me as well. I uh, I grew up in New York City and you know, growing up in the projects in, you know, low-income family. And it was a culture shock for me as well. Um, Especially living with people. Um, That's when I was really able to learn the differences. I remember distinctly too, (laughs) because freshman year, I was still going through a phase when uh, I was still like buying fake clothes. Like I had Gucci and Prada shoes, but they weren't real. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and it was, it was me trying to act like I had money, but then I, mm. then I was living with people that had actual money. Yes. Um, and there was, and there were so many small instances like that, where it was like me trying to fake it, where like, no, like these are, these are like real people's lives. And I'm, I'm curious for you, like, was it something that you noticed or it was something that was said to you in one of those experiences that were, where you, where you saw that difference? Both. Um, I, I was very um, active um, in, in college. I sang in the Kumba Singers. I was part of the Black Students um, Association. And, you know, I, I did a lot of different things, work study. So I, I, you know, I had many friends and people I interacted with. So sometimes it would be based, the feeling would be based on comments. But other times it was um, somewhat like you, just, um, sort of first for the first time realizing how people who have money really go through the world and and um and what they have available to them and so um and and it 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 was eye-opening in in that respect and and a great um opportunity it's coming from uh you know a poor family and and a poor area um poor neighborhood yeah, well, t- well, tell me a little bit about like post school. Um, you were in the Marine Corps. Obviously, you've, um, you, you know, you, you do professionally. You're a judge now. I'm curious about some of those experiences. Did you have any times where you felt the need to to hide who you were? Sure, there there have been lots of times. The I guess the most notable would be my time uh, spent on active duty. I spent time on active duty between. Um, 1994 and 2000 and during that time we were still um we were operating at least some part of that time under don't ask don't tell i think when i initially uh signed my name um it it was actually before don't ask don't tell but my time uh on active duty was under that under that uh, sort of regime and and can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Sure. Um, don't ask, don't tell was the um, I guess you would call it a compromise between the out and out ban that used to exist, at least in theory, um, that no um, that that only heterosexual uh, men and women could serve uh, in any military branch. And that was the case for many years. And you could actually be uh, removed from the service, administratively separated um, 
if you were not uh, heterosexual. So, yeah, it, it, it was a pretty big deal and, and pretty serious matter. The, um, under P President Obama, that was uh, eliminated as a part of uh, military service that you, you know, are um, giving an oath that you are straight, you know, we, that, that is no longer required. And it, along with that, um, benefits and um, allowances for spouses, same-sex spouses uh, and partners, I think is has has also changed quite a bit. So, the the whole face of the the military base, really, um, and and the, and the military family, has has changed a great deal since I left active duty. So while I was on active duty, um, under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, I was gay, but I could not declare it and I could not have a partner with me and I couldn't have a same sex spouse and I couldn't, you know, it, it just had to be a second and private life altogether. Uh, so that was sort of the, the biggest um, way in which I had to sort of hide at least a part of my identity. I'm just wondering, I'm just here wondering like how many other people like you were there? I, I did a sure. lot. And as a judge advocate, I was the prosecutor um, on the base that I was at on active duty for the majority of the time, which meant that it was my job to separate people. Um, uh, and that presented a, a conflict, obviously, for me that um, I dealt with in different ways over time. There wasn't, there were, there was not a flurry of those types of um, administrative matters, but there were a few. And um, it, it really bothered me that this was even a part of my job, that this was even something that the Marine Corps engaged and put its efforts into, um, and that it was something that any Marine had to um, hide or have affect his or her career mm -hmm. if they didn't hide. That was a, a great source of shame uh, for me in, in, in my service. And so I was um, off active duty by the time that Don't Ask, Don't Tell uh, changed, but I have been very glad to at least see that change in my lifetime, even though I'm uh, no longer um, in active status. Of course. And tell me about that experience being active during that time. Because sure, you're, you're, you're at work, you're doing various things, but I'm sure there's also a point of camaraderie. There's also a point of like, just, you know, basic conversations that people have. And people are like, talking about dating, or they're talking about their partners, etc. Like, what was that like? Right. What did you do? Did you have a lie in mind? Like, did you have this elaborate backstory? Like, what, what did you do? I didn't have an elaborate backstory. Um, you know, at, at some point I had, I had been married to a man before um, and it, you know, so the, you know, the, the world, <laughs> the heterosexual world was not foreign to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I was just sort of um, divorced mm -hmm. and single at that point. So I couldn't say, you know, I was not actually single. Mm -hmm. um but but I couldn't say that because then we have to talk about well who is it who is he 
Um, and so it, it was stressful. You know, I, I, think, I think the simplest way to describe it is, is stressful. It adds a level of stress. You're already a Marine. Yeah. You know, you've already got, you know, the, 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 the toughest branch that there is and the requirements that we go through uh, yearly to maintain your status um, and to continue to be promoted. And you also have the rigors of being a judge advocate and a prosecutor um, in the Marine Corps. And, and that, it, it's a little different than prosecuting in the civilian world. There's, there's more responsibility on the prosecutor. Um, so all of that, and then added to that, this sort of social layer of whether you're acceptable or not as a human being, as a Marine, you know, are you not a good, are you not really a Marine? Are you not good enough for Marine because you're gay? Um, so it, it was very stressful and I didn't want it to be the case, but, um, you know, I, I shared a lot less about my personal life for that reason with, with people who were pretty close to me. I mean, there were a few people who knew uh, who were Marines and, and, you know, some of my best friends, but a lot of other people who I certainly would have talked about my family life with, um, yeah. did not get to hear that. Yeah. And you miss out on building those relationships with people. You build That's out, right. you, you miss out on building like really, really strong connections. And this just reminds me of another guest. And I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, because he was, you know, in, in school, many of us are, are part of these, these groups, these like affinity groups, um, et cetera. And he was part of a, a pride group, it was called. Um, and mm -hmm. he self-identifies as queer. And coming out of college, you know, he, he didn't go to Northeastern, so he didn't have the co-op program. He had a limited amount of internships that he was a part of, but he was really, really involved in school, specifically in this pride group, right? So he was like a treasurer and he was like the president, held a bunch of different positions. And he didn't feel comfortable putting that on his resume. He didn't feel comfortable putting that on his LinkedIn profile, mm. right? Because mm. he didn't know how it would be received. You know, compare that to saying like he's part of the finance club in the same exact position, doing the same exact work, but he wasn't sure how that was going to be perceived and received, right? So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just imagining him just like even going for interviews and they're like, oh, you don't have any experience. And he's like, if you only knew, I have a ton, but I can't even tell you about it. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I just no, I appreciate that that transparency. Um, I'm curious too, like as as you sort of left the Marines and wasn't in, in active duty, and you're and you you know you still have a bunch of pro professional experience. Did your did the authenticity and what you were comfortable sharing change at all? Yes. Yes. Um, when I came off of active duty, I came back to Boston where I was barred to work uh, for a litigation firm here. And um, immediately upon joining the firm, um, I was allowed to include my same-sex partner on my health insurance wow. and you know, have her be a part of um, my, my work life as any other uh, partner or spouse would be. Yeah. And so, you know, from day one, it was it was a complete change in the transparency mm -hmm. that I was able to have. So, you know, not not one day since coming off of active duty have I uh, hidden 
the information about who my partner or spouse is or pretty much anything else. Um, I, I, I made a, a commitment to myself that, that that period would be the last that I was um, sort of in a position that I needed to be in the closet about it. And um, so, so it's been uh, no turning back since then. What, what gave you that confidence though? Like, like you just, you just woke up one day, you were just like, that's it. Or was it the, the simple fact of leaving the Marines? I'm just curious, like, was there a moment? Well, leaving the Marine, leaving the Marine Corps was a, a, a part of it because, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it's certainly not some place that you're going in and clocking in at one hour and leaving at the other hour. You're a Marine 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And so that stress of, you know, the conflict between the the rules and who I am was was constant, um, so that was a part of it. But also, um, once I came off of active duty, I um, came out to my mother. Once that occurred, in my mind, there was no one else on the planet that it really mattered as much to. Um, in terms of what their reaction was and how how they received me after that, and so well, once I've told my mother, there's nobody else I need to be in the closet for ever, um, and and that's been the case. I, I love that. I love that. Um, and and I'm curious too because one of the one of the ways that I found you was on LinkedIn, and I don't know if it went viral, but I know a lot of people saw the picture of you showing off the I believe it's a sleeve right that you have on it your is. arm yes, um dope sleeve but for me it just resonated so much to what I speak about but more importantly I think it was the one of the reasons it resonated with me is is um ad, uh, advice that I received at a young age from my grandfather right like um growing up he would tell me yo do you see presidents and CEOs with beards and tattoos and earrings and all this stuff and I was like, nah, right. But at that moment, like, I wish I had your picture. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I wish I had your picture to be like, yo, grandpa, like, yo, look, you know, look at this example. Like, she's killing it. Um, and I think often we need to see examples of other people doing something to feel like it's to almost give us like permission in a way for us to do it. Um, mm -hmm. When did you get the tattoos and when did you feel comfortable displaying them? Um, well, I, I've had tattoos for, I've had tattoos since I joined the Marine Corps. So un, uh, okay. not, not unlike a lot of Marines over the history, uh, my first Marine Corps, my first tattoo was the Marine Corps Eagle Globe and Anchor. Mm. Um, and so that sort of began, began the progression um, with tattoos. So that was, you know, late 20s, early 30s. And I really didn't um, start getting any that would show in work clothing yeah. for, for a little while, um, you know, further along in, in my practice of law. And I didn't get any um, on my hand or neck until I was a judge. Mm. So, and that was um, intentional, I'm assuming, right? Um, yes and no. I think 
like you and so many other people, I too have, it has been drilled into me as well. You need to have on the blue suit. You need to have some hair on your head. You need to have on earrings. You need to wear makeup. You know, all the, all the things that are told to women um, about uh, how to get there and how to present yourself to get to the, the highest levels. Um, those were drilled into my head as well. I did not escape them. Um, so it has been a progression because one, um, I was mindful of that in my career. And so although I would, uh, I, I still had tattoos, I was mindful at first of where they were and how they would show. And I even had to be mindful of that on active duty because even as a Marine Corps, um, there are pretty strict uh, rules about tattoos. Most people would not think that, but there are. Um, and the second reason is that I do think in, in terms of authenticity, and it doesn't have to be about tattoos, it could be about other things. It could be maybe about what you say, what you talk about, it could be about your hair, it could be about anything. You gain credibility, you gain clout, um, and you gain authority um, the more, the longer you're in a field. So as a new lawyer, no, I didn't bust out with tattoo on my neck and talking about race and bias. I didn't feel comfortable uh, with, with all of that at that time. Um, but once you have shown who you are, what you're about, um, your proficiency, and, 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 and if I dare say a leader in a, in a field, I think you have a little bit more leeway to say, hey, this is okay, this is not. We should be judging people on this and we should not be judging people on that. Um, and, to, and to be able to stand for something. You know, as a new lawyer, you're, you're just trying to represent people without um, committing malpractice, <laughs> you know, and, and you should be focused on that. Um, and the, the, the longer you're in the practice, you have some credibility you know, if you're a trial lawyer, you've done trials, people have seen you in action. They know how you treat other people. They know how you operate. They know how good an advocate you are. They know how much law you know. They know if you can stand on your feet or not. They know if you're brave or not. You know, you, you build up that credibility. Same thing on the bench. You don't come on the bench and everyone knows you already. Um, you know, whatever people will say about me as a judge has been developed over the 13 years that I've been on the bench so far. And um, you 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 just get more the the a greater and greater ability to be authentic, yeah. and it's going to be seen as coming from a different place when you sort of paid your dues and people know exactly who you are. Yeah. Um, so it it you know it may not be something that you're comfortable uh, being or doing all you know all at once. Mm -hmm. We have. Um, a congresswoman in Massachusetts who is a beautiful black woman. Mm -hmm. And I, I had seen her in action for years and she always had these nice thick braids or um, different, different hairstyles with all of this hair. And as it turns out, um, she has a condition in which her, her hair has come out. She's, she's completely bald. And it wasn't until she got in Congress that she um, took a stand and said, I'm not wearing a wig anymore. 
because this is who I am. I'm beautiful like this. Um, other people have all sorts of conditions that yeah. um, uh, make hair um, an impossibility. Yeah. And, and what does it matter? You know, and so now every time I see her, no wig, doing her thing, beautiful, um, just as influential as ever. And, you know, I think when I, when I saw that transition, it, it reminded me, you know, of the same thing I'm talking about with myself, where um, she obviously didn't feel comfortable and she talks about it um, yeah. until she got to a, a certain point. And, and I think when you reach some level that you're going for in your field, whether it's obtaining an office or a particular job or title or position or role in the world, when you have a platform on which that people on which people will listen yeah. to what you have to say, um, that's where some of the work in changing hearts and minds can happen. Where people, you know, may look at tattoos differently because yeah. of the impact I have had. And you know, I'm not judging you as a defendant in front of me because you have tattoos mm -hmm. and I am asking the world and the people looking at me as a judge, not to judge me because I have tattoos. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, it's, it's a give and take. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I would love to speak to her as well. Cause I think that's just another example of that conflict, right? Cause there are so many standards and, and, and shoulds, if you will, that, that society has placed on us and, what I always try to remind people is that, you know, there, there's also so many expectations when it comes to professionalism. But if you look up the definition, it's the skill or competence needed of that profession. And it's only skill or competence, right? But we've been trained to believe that it has to do with so much more. So, but I love the fact that you mentioned, because this is a question that I get asked often. It's, well, how do I bring my most authentic self to work? Or, or when do I do it? Right. And one, authenticity means something different to so many different people, but also like, you don't have to just like come outside one day and just like put everything out there, right? You can do it in steps as you feel comfortable. Totally. But I think that important piece too is like, make sure whatever your job is or whatever your profession is, make sure you're doing it that well. Because if you do that well, it's damn near impossible for people to like put a negative perception on your authenticity, right? To your point, like you've been doing this for a decade plus, right? And if someone has anything to say, you could be like, well, look at my track record. Like this doesn't impact anything that I'm doing. I'm so glad you, you said that because I tell people that every day I was just telling a, a law student that about two days ago. And I pretty much say something along those lines to every group of new lawyers or law yeah. students or college yeah. students that I talk to. Merit, yeah. it should be your first focus. Yeah. I don't care if you're black or not. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're privileged or not. Um, it doesn't matter what field you're in, from basketball to rocket science to entertainment. It, it, it doesn't matter. Um, you should be doing whatever it is you do at the highest level that yeah. you can do it, mm -hmm. um, functioning in it at your highest capacity and contributing to the field and, and the world at the highest level you can. And when you are working, you each year you are gaining your reputation. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's really 
um, what is is going to drive everything for in 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 your in your career. So when you are, if you are the best criminal defense lawyer in Boston. Not that many people No, there may be some, but not that many people are going to matter what color you are yeah. um, or whether you have tattoos or yeah. whether your hair is long or short yeah. or whether you dress like a man or woman yeah. or whether you identify as a man or woman. I mean, it just is what it is. And um, I have seen this uh, manifest over and over and over. Merit is your first concern. Whatever you do, do it up. And like you just said, that's unassailable. Yeah. Your, your merit is unassailable. Um, I did not get on the bench because I know people. I knew the governor. I, knew, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I did was work mm-hmm. and apply. And that's sort of old school. But that's, it's still very, very, very valid and very um, valid way to go about your career. Merit first across any profession any absolutely absolutely i'm I'm, you are the best it's undeniable yeah i'm wondering what are the dms looking like on linkedin people must i'm sure people are like wow you are the representation i was looking for i'm just curious like it is it just must be overwhelming with positivity i'm sure there are some trolls etc but for the most part i'm assuming it's like positive humbling how, do, how does it all feel and, and what type of messages do you get? Uh, it, it is, like you said, it's pretty overwhelming. There's so many um, people who, you know, pretty much say, I've been waiting to mm-hmm. hear some of this type of content, been waiting for someone to be representing in a truthful, honest way. Um, and it's not that, you know, I'm the only person on the planet um, trying to be authentic, but I think when you hold certain positions, Mm -hmm. you're expected to be a certain way and to think a certain way. And um, that really is not how the world operates or should operate. And, and, you know, there, there are so many people who, who reach out to me, who I really um, enjoy interacting with and talking to. Of course, like you said, there's some people who troll or just come on to be hateful. Um, of course. And, but, you know, the, the post that you saw had over 4 million views, yeah. and it, which is phenomenal. And, um, and with a simple message that I said, which is life is short, do your thing. And I truly believe that. And I try to work on that for myself every day. You know, none of us are getting younger. It doesn't matter what attributes you have. That is not one of them. <laughs> and so <laughs> we are all getting older and it's just a fact. And so I always tell people, whatever it is that you aim to do in life, you better get to doing it because these days just, you know, we talk about it, we joke about it. Oh, the month went by so quickly. Oh, the <laughs> summer went by so quickly. The oh, 2021 went by so quickly. Um, pretty much that's how all of life is like a blur. And so, um, you know, my, my interest is in um, 
you know, in, in, in some way, uh, small or big, uh, leaving, leaving people better off. No, the, I, I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm glad the, the DMs are, are being flooded with positivity. And uh, I'll wrap up with this last question. But, you know, you spoke about, you know, leaving this earth a better place than, you know, when, when you got here. I'm curious, like, what inspires you to continue pushing yourself, continue to be your most authentic self? The eagerness of, of young people to, to be themselves today more than ever, um, I think, people at very young ages are thinking about who they are and how they want to identify in the world. And it may be driving some parents crazy, but I think <laughs> there's there's this insistence um, amongst young people that they be allowed to express themselves, that they be allowed to identify how they want, um, and that they be respected. And I have so many opportunities to talk to students, uh, high school students, college students, law school students, and those are the people that, that keep pushing me to um, keep doing what I'm doing, to do what I'm doing better, um, and to do more of it. Because when people who are in school are looking into the future and saying, well, I don't know if I can um, be myself in that setting. I don't know, how do they treat black people in that setting? How do they treat women? Well, what, what if I don't like to wear suits or, you know, whatever. Um, those um, struggles and helping people with those struggles and going through them with them are really what keep me going because you know the, the easiest thing to do is to just be quiet me hand there that wraps up this week's episode of the kim duetis podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do us a favor leave us a rating and a review it just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism Thank you and see you next week.